0: Welcome to the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood with John Paul Basham. You know. And we are excited to have another moment with you, the podcast listeners. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thank you for choosing this podcast to be part of your uh, student ministry journey. We we don't take that for granted, and uh, we do this thing for you and want to say thank you at every opportunity that we get. One way that you can help other people find the podcast is by leaving a rating and review. That way, when they get on to search for podcast, student ministry podcast, then, then they'll find this one, and that would be amazing. So, thank you for doing that if you haven't. So, uh, I'm super excited about uh, our conversation today. Uh, and our guest that I'm going to intro in just a moment, but let me tell you where we're headed. All right. So student ministry is better done together than on your own. And normally when we say statements like that, if you listen to the podcast for uh, a long time, then you've heard us talk about things like this before like you're not meant to do ministry alone it's something that you've you're supposed to do with other people you've most often heard us talk about that in terms of multiplying your leadership to volunteers and trying to do all the work yourself but you're not meant to do it that way so build a volunteer team and involve students in ministry leadership and all those kinds of things like that's the direction we normally kind of talk about when when it's related to this. There's another aspect of this don't do ministry alone that I think is really important, and that is being in relationship with other student ministry leaders. They are people who know your context but aren't in your context, and by having a frequent, consistent time with other student pastors You're able to process things that are going on in your ministry and get some other feedback. And there's also a community and care part of that that's really, really important. So to help us talk about this and have that conversation today, uh, we're really excited that Cheryl is going to join us. Uh, Cheryl, it's great to have you on the podcast today.
1: So let me tell you a little bit.
0: Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Cheryl. Um, so called to youth ministry at age 15, um, been doing youth ministry for more than 20 years, uh, has worked in, and I, I, I have questions about this one. All right. So worked in the juvenile justice system in Canada, uh, has had the opportunity to do youth ministry in Japan, as well as various churches across Canada. She's at Westview Bible church in Montreal right now. Uh, which is a post-Christian context, churches are under-resourced, and language and political issues can be divisive. Um, So there are some challenges there that I can't wait to dive into with you, Cheryl. Uh, And then uh, as far as the non-student ministry stuff, uh, coffee lover, uh, friend, maker of new friends, and flip-flops as soon as the Canada snow disappears. So I, I love that. How when would that be for you so give us the months that are flip-flop approved for canada
1: do you want to know when my standards are when everyone else's standards (laughs) are because those are two different things (laughs) (laughs) let's go with yours yeah so um i literally like there will still be snow banks and i'll um i'll be wearing flip-flops as soon as it's sunny enough and i'm not actually having to trek through actual snow to get from my car to my house or the church um flip-flops are on my feet I detest wearing shoes <laughs> so and I always have my whole life so it's just the thing that I do and
2: so what temperatures are we talking about here then so
1: it doesn't have to be like I mean it's hard to do celsius and in, in fahrenheit where it's celsius so like just around like just above freezing is probably the coldest that I've gone like two degrees <laughs> celsius so but
0: <laughs> snow still out there and you're yeah oh yeah rocking the flops <laughs> yep I love it. You are a brave woman. (laughs) So uh, talk to us. Let's let's dive in just so people can get to know you a little bit. Let's dive into some of your youth ministry experience. Um, And the first thing out there is really intriguing to me. And that is the juvenile justice system work that you did. Talk about how you got into that and then what youth ministry looks like in that context.
1: Uh, So I went through a correctional um, program in college, and we have a, up here in Quebec, we have a very different um, school system. So we graduate from high school in grade 11, and then um, go into what we call CEGEP, which is a French acronym, um, and you can choose different specialized programs to go into, and so I chose the corrections uh, one, and so through that, I had to do several internships um, working in whatever corrections department I wanted to, but because I knew that I was called to working with youth, that was always what I decided to do so um I worked in a series of group homes here in in Montreal as a crisis intervention uh person, so I didn't actually have some of my classmates were actually stationed in those group homes, but I actually um, drove around with my supervisor um, on our shifts, and we did uh we went. When there was a crisis, we had to go and help intervene. So we had to go help, you know, restrain kids, or we had to go mm. uh, take care of kids while the staff were dealing with with um, significant issues. And so I got to see a lot more than the average um, shift at a at a group home would see. Um, and it was it was very eye opening to you know the the kids' need for Jesus. The, one of the most frustrating things for me was not being able to share. Jesus with them. And so after, I remember this one night of after spending like three hours at a home where this this kid was just so, like a 12 year old was just so like wound up and trying to strangle himself with a phone cord and break into Mm -hmm. other kids' rooms to hurt them. And the staff were just exhausted from from dealing with this kid for hours and hours and hours. Um, And then finally he just got taken away in handcuffs to another unit that had a, a rubber room essentially like sitting around and debriefing that with the staff and just hearing the hopelessness in it and not being able to say anything about that and never being able to see that kid again, you know, like that was, that was a really tough heartbreaking um, experience. And so it's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm not actually working in that field now, because Um, as a Christian, it's so hard to, like, you're not allowed legally to say anything. And I I did speak to one Christian at one point who was, who was like kind of higher up in the, in the staff situation there. And he said, there are times and there are ways, but it's really seldom. And I just didn't feel like I could, I could do that. You know, I, I would read files of kids whose parents went through the system and their uncles and aunts went through the system. And it was just so frustrating to see like how it's not, we're not really doing anything effective if these kids are now in the system. And so I did decide to go into a d- another area of, of ministry where I could hopefully prevent kids from ending up there before they got there, work with the families, work with with the youth, and and uh, hopefully prevent them from ending up in, in a situation like that.
2: But what yeah. an experience, though, that the Lord led you through to to see like, okay, this generational impact that's happening in yeah. families, leading students to land in the same places. I feel like now as a student, as a student pastor, be, being able to really lean in from that perspective can be an, an incredible thing.
1: Definitely. And it's definitely come in handy knowing law, knowing some of the criminal justice system background as, you, as we all have, I'm sure have kids who get in trouble with the law to be able to step into that that situation and if as they're flirting with it be able to walk with them through the legal things that they have to go through at the time and and hopefully help them to take a step back and and see they're (laughs) they're not going in a direction they want to go in so talk about the (laughs)
0: japan piece of this so like you doing the juvenile thing there's catalytic moments happened along the way to say like man i i've got to get into a place where i am working with young people in a way that I can talk about Jesus in this, Um, Mm -hmm. and then, so you're at a church in Canada doing that now, and then there's this Japan in the middle of it all. (laughs) How to (laughs) connect those (laughs) dots.
1: Japan was never on on my radar. You know like God can mess up your life, right? And yeah. and so I had a plan um going through school. I ended up as uh, doing a social work degree. I'm actually not a trained like pastor. Like I didn't go the traditional traditional schooling a route for that. But um as I was finishing up university, I was like I could get a job doing whatever, but God is like really calling me to Japan. I had a friend who went a little bit um, before me and he kept telling me I had to come and I was like, nah, <laughs> Japan's not on my radar at all. Um, actually, when he told me he was going, I said I would never go there in my heart. And so that's probably why I ended up there. But um, yeah, God, was, God sent me there because I needed to learn that he was good. Um, and so I went as a, an English teacher and I was teaching in three different high schools. Um, my week was split up between those three schools. And, um, while I was there, I got involved in a English church with Japanese sensitivity in Tokyo. And so I was um, doing some worship ministry and helping with the youth ministry and, uh, yeah, just like ministering in a very different culture and a very, um, unexpected way. (laughs) But you know, God, God needed me to trust him implicitly. And I thought I did, but I learned there that I didn't, (laughs) um, but he got me there through that experience.
0: Yeah. So, what's something that you, you brought back from that time in Japan? That's like, okay, this is something that will stick with me forever in in student ministry.
1: I think it's the being able to tell a story. I've been really fascinated mm-hmm. with, you know, like we we often are like, oh, we have to teach our kids theology, but we don't um, like talk about how important it is to like we don't tell stories about how um, important it is in our lives and why it's important in our lives. And so the, the whole like theme of God's goodness has been something that I've had to learn and relearn and relearn in my life. But it's something that I also find myself having to tell kids a lot. Like God is good. Like if this particular thing does not work out in your life, he is still good. And here's an experience from, from my life where I um, experienced deep, like turmoil over going to Japan. Culture shock is no joke. Um, like I said, I didn't really want to go there. So I didn't know what I was in for when I got there. and I, not a day w- went by that I wasn't like, what's happening right now? <laughs> Cause there's some weird stuff <laughs> culturally that I didn't understand. And I needed people to explain it to me like day in and day out. And it was, you know, I loved it. I ended up loving my time there, but just to trust in God's goodness and to be able to give clear examples of what, um, what that's like in my life now. And, and to narrate that for students, um, has been super important for me, been a theme mm-hmm. of that's come up quite a lot. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your story, Cheryl. It is a yeah, no problem. an interesting journey for sure uh, in youth ministry. And so um, one of the things we wanted to make sure and talk to you about is because uh, you are a part of Youth Ministry Booster um, mm-hmm. and you uh, host what we call our mastermind groups. And if you're uh, new to Youth Ministry Booster, it's an online Uh, platform that facilitates both student ministry training as well as relationships uh, and some coaching things uh, with other student ministry leaders. And so every member of Youth Ministry Booster is put into what's called a mastermind group. Those masterminds have a host, uh, and there's conversation that exists with everybody uh, that are in each individual mastermind, and there's relationship that takes place, and um, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in the hearts of leaders as a part of this. And because you serve as one of those hosts, we just wanted to have a conversation about what that, what being a part of one of those mastermind groups has meant to you and, and how being a part of one of those helps you in what you do now and helps you in like just keeping going in a ministry setting that, and we looked at a minute ago, there are a lot of challenges where you are. So
1: how, to, how has
0: this kept you going in your calling?
1: Yeah, so I was attracted to Youth Ministry Booster because I, I've done youth ministry in a context where I have had a network of youth pastors and youth leaders around me who, you know, we've helped each other. We've met for prayer. We've been very collaborative in things that we've done and have really benefited from that. And then the context that I'm in now where churches can be more siloed and separate and almost um, feel threatened by each other at times i when i moved back here 4 years ago to to do the the position that i'm at now they like people that i talked to didn't even know that it was possible to collaborate mm-hmm. that it was something that would benefit our ministries and so having those conversations and having people actually say i can do that was so eye opening and and for me having experienced networking in the past and support around me i was like i can't do ministry without this. And so um I began to have conversations with anyone I could and and along those lines I came across I think on a in a Facebook group um an announcement about youth ministry, ministry booster starting and I was I was all for it like any any kind of support I can get from anywhere any time is uh, it just makes me a better youth pastor I think and so yeah I jumped on and started experiencing it and it's been it's been so good because it helps me to. I, I get to ask questions of myself that I don't think of unless other people ask those questions. So mm. it's helped me think through things from a different perspective. Uh, because I'm in Canada and a lot of, of the people I've been on uh, in youth ministry boosters with have been, yeah, they, or sorry, mastermind groups I should say um, have been in the states. It's been cool to to see how the two cultures like we seem like we're we're similar, but there's there are some differences, and so it's been cool to uh, to think. Things through within my context but also have the richness of an another culture that's speaking into that and vice versa and um yeah just having the support like to be able to to say things to people um who understand (laughs) what you're going through to be able to to say yeah this was this was a hard situation that i was in and to be able to have people ask questions and help me to think things through, but then for them to understand better. And and my prayer is that when when I'm sharing, then they're benefiting from what I'm sharing and, and vice versa. When they're sharing, I'm benefiting from them. So those are, I would say, what I love about <laughs> Masterminds.
0: Yeah, that's great. So talk about the collaboration piece of that a little bit, because, you know, uh, American church work and uh, church work in, Montreal um, probably do look a little different at times, but maybe more similarities than, you know, I'm sitting here in middle Tennessee. And so probably more similarities than you'd think of right away. Talk about how that collaboration uh, has inspired you and has helped you to continue uh, doing
1: what you do there. Yeah, so I one example comes to mind where we were talking about camp Um, camp in the states if I understand correctly everyone goes to the same camp on the same week and there might be other groups there Um, and here at least in my context um, we have a camp that runs all summer and a lot of my kids would go to camp all summer and then there there is like a teen camp week but they would go there and work and then they'd go for their teen camp week Um, and so it was like a lot different and not every kid would go to the same camp Um, so it is you know, being able to hear what they do and, and see what, what happens here. Um, I decided, you know, like, we're not going to do any ministry that week and we're just gonna, like, I'm going to go to camp for the week and I'm artistic. So I did some art stuff at camp for that week and just said, like, everyone's going to camp. And if you can't come and you need, you want to, but you, you know, financially or whatever, like we'll support you. Um, and so we just, we just, everyone went to camp and had a great time, uh, And that was something that was like not really a thing that we do, but because I'd heard it from other people and I was like, that's, that's a cool, like unifying, awesome thing to do that we all have a shared experience. And so we just did it and not every kid in in the youth group was able to go, but you know, it was, it was the majority of us and it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I love that. A little cross-cultural learning that, 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 that (laughs) takes place. For sure. So what are some things that uh, maybe something surprised you as being a part of a mastermind group um, and the relationships that exist in that? Because the unique thing is that it's not just like, hey, you're put into this group and here's a problem to solve that's just youth ministry related. Like they're meant to, to build real supporting relationships and you're with the same mastermind group for basically a year. So um, was there anything that surprised you uh, that you weren't expecting of being part of one of these groups?
1: I don't know that it was, it was something I wasn't expecting, but the, the group that I led this year, we were small. There was only four of us that could usually make the call, but um, we really like bonded as a group and, you know, we're spread out all over North America, but we like, it was a really good uplifting um community building time where we could just chat. Like there were times where we got off topic and um I don't know if Zach's gonna be thrilled to hear that, but um (laughs) we we got off topic and just and and just chatted about, you know, whatever. Or like if someone was late and we were just waiting for them to sign on and we'd just chat. And it was just so nice to be, you know, these people are legit my friends. And I remember the last um the last session that we had, like at the end I was like, I don't want to hit end you know like I just want to keep hanging out with you guys it was really hard to say goodbye and I mean like we're friends on Facebook and whatever but you know it was just like we're not going to have this same group again ever maybe and so it was just it was a hard end to a really good uplifting encouraging time
0: that's so good to hear
2: Cheryl what does it look like if somebody's going to jump into a group and expect to have a host like you what does it what is that like for you to host the group?
1: It's, I'm going to be honest, the first session is always awkward because it's like nobody knows each other. We're all on Zoom. Zoom's got an element of awkwardness to it anyway. Um, and so, but my, my approach is just like, hey guys, like we just need to talk about stuff. Um, tell you know, tell each other about who we are and what we do and, and what our context is and and just keep the conversation going as we we go through the agendas that that are put out for us for the mastermind meetings but um we we just need to like get to know each other relationally so we we do spend some intentional time at the beginning of every mastermind meeting you know going through like how how are things going I try to keep track of what's happening in people's life and if there's you know health problems in a family or or whatever you know follow up on that just so that there's some continuity and it's not like okay great see you next time but that we're actually tracking with each other and we're praying for each other throughout the interim periods between meetings and um, making sure that we are talking, like really, really like engaging with each other and not just like, okay, we checked off our lists and now we can, we can leave.
2: So tell us a little bit about the agendas as you're walking through. What kind of stuff do you guys cover as a group?
1: Yeah, so we, we always uh, have a theme that um, is put out like a monthly theme that we we talk through some stuff and, and look at how that applies in our context. So there's always something to read. Sometimes there's like a little exercise to do. Uh, for example, in the past year, we did uh, an exercise where we had to call one of our volunteers in our ministry and ask them a, a bunch of questions about our ministry and listen, like the exercise was about listening to what they were mm-hmm. saying and getting in the practice of asking other people instead of just like, sometimes you get the blinders on and you just want to evaluate for yourself and you you do what you think, needs to be done and then we, we forget to listen to what our volunteers are saying or what other people are saying that are involved in the ministry and so it was a cool it was a cool thing to be able to to talk to one of my volunteers hear her thoughts and then be able to process that with with the other people in the in the group and hear what their volunteers were saying we didn't necessarily go through the answers to every question but like did, were there surprises you know like did this shock you or, you know, were you expecting this? And just be able to process and, and like, okay, so if this is something that needs to change, like how are, how are you going to do that in the next, in the next month? Or how are you going to start working on that? Because sometimes change takes longer. And then we always go through a soul care section. Uh, We go through a hot seat where we can bring something that whoever's on the hot seat brings forth a question. So like I'm struggling with partnering with parents in my ministry, for example, and then and then we ask questions about like, well, what do you do now? And, you know, we, we're not trying to like fix the problem, but help them through asking questions to actually um, arrive at conclusions on their own or help them think that through. We can do some like, here's what, what has worked for me. But again, it's not an expectation that we're going to fix this issue It's helping to talk through it and process. And then there's always some, some like goal setting and some like, what are you going to work on in the next month? And then we try to check in on those at, uh, at the next meeting. So if there's some accountability. There's soul care. There's growth, both personally and and professionally, involved in every meeting.
2: I love the way that you've described these, and wish that I was a part of something like that yeah. as a student pastor. And what really stands out to me, you've said in a few different ways, the way that these mastermind groups have kind of drawn you out, and and you seek to draw each other out, mm-hmm. and you do that in a few different ways, but you know but drawing each other out relationally you know and just getting to know one another and really being in relationship with each other to the point that at the end of the group at the end of your time as a mastermind group nobody wants to to leave that and and call that the last one but also ministry wise to do things like asking asking questions of someone else to give you feedback on the ministry it's just kind of that, another level of as they are showing those results, there's kind of a vulnerability there. Like, here's what they said of my ministry, you know? And then
1: mm-hmm.
2: you mentioned having having some questions asked about your ministry that you wouldn't ask on your own unless someone else was asking those things. And so, I mean, that with the ministry component and then the soul care, that is what real Christian community should look like. You're putting yourself in a position to be known by other people. Yeah. And as you're known by them, you're ministered to by them and through them. And then this, the same thing for the rest of the people in the group. It just sounds like such a such a cool group.
1: Yeah, it really has been a highlight for me with my involvement in Youth Ministry Booster. I can't always make the other meetings that, that they have, but Masterminds are something that is a priority for me and I make sure it happens and I'm excited when when it's time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is I think the secret sauce so to speak of what happens at youth ministry booster. I mean the webinars are great, the training's great, the free read, the resources inside of it awesome. But those groups really are are healthy collaborative learning caring spaces that not a lot of people have access to. I mean you you described your own journey and I came back. There wasn't anything like this. I was starving for it and found it. And I think that's something that maybe a lot of leaders are searching for in their own way. Cheryl, I would love to end with a question for you. You know, your kind of bio information, obviously the the church situation in Montreal being much more of a post-Christian context than we are here in the States. In large part, there are pockets of the United States that I would say would line up more that way, but definitely in large part, much more post-Christian there in Montreal. A lot of international, so language, so French, obviously. So there's language barriers, there's political barriers. I would love to hear you talk about youth ministry in your context and specifically what you see working, like, What, what are you doing in youth ministry that is reaching the hearts of people?
1: The focus that I have taken over the last, I've been at my church over four years now has been relationships, Um, Mm. focusing on building community within the the youth ministry itself. When I first got to my church, the attitude was very much about what event we were doing and whether youth were deciding to come to youth group based on whether or not they liked whatever game we were going to play. Um, which is a losing battle in my mind. <laughs> and, yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> not really like where I was going with it. So um, I, don't, I don't really care about the games. And I tell my students that. I do them, but I don't care about them. But I really wanted them to be attracted to the community that they feel, that they, are, they have a place where they belong no matter who they are, no matter what they're going through, that this is something that they can come to and feel loved. And it, that we are excited that they're there, not just the leaders, but the youth as well. And so we've been really focusing on on building that. As far as living in a post-Christian society, like there is no options. There is like, I know a bunch of youth pastors in this city. And I know of like one or two who have been able to get into a school. Like there, the doors are shut for adults to walk into a school mm-hmm. and, you know, as a religious anything, that, no. that's not really an option. And so um, using things like Youth Alpha, empowering students and training them to, actually just like have conversations with their friends to invite their friends to youth group. But like, that's not really even the way that we we have to do youth ministry these days. Like if we want to reach the unchurched, we cannot expect them to, to want to come in our doors. And so we have to go to them. And so doing things outside of the church building, but mostly focusing on training our kids to, to do the ministry. They're the, they're the best missionaries we have right now. And so that's what we've been really trying to focus on that we are are helping them to start conversations to be comfortable sharing their faith to to be solid in in the foundation of their faith and then know that they are sent like they are they go into the world every day and reach their friends.
2: It's good stuff. John Paul, last words? So something that, that I think about as you're describing the circumstances about, you know, school ministry is just not even an option. I mean, we just recorded another podcast right before this one that will release the week after this one releases. Talking about having the right perspective under the circumstances that we're in and not finding ourselves locked down in a negative attitude about what we can't do, but finding the positive and what we can do. And so it, it just brought up kind of that same line of thinking like man if it was the case in the states where no matter where you were you cannot go into a school the ministry model for so many student pastors would be completely flipped and there'd be a lot of pastors that would say I I don't even know what to do like um, hands in the air kind of a moment. But I love that what you described is a mobilization. You know so okay we can't go there but our kids are there. And so we're just going to leverage in every way that we can mobilizing our students as missionaries in their school, Mm -hmm. which is something that you'll hear a lot of student pastors talk about, but probably not prioritized to the degree that you have because you have to.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And I have to believe that there's tremendous fruit from being in that position where you say the only way we're going to get the gospel in the schools, the only way we're going to get the gospel in the schools is for our kids to carry it there. And I think that's just, let that be a challenge to listeners in places that do have the freedom to get in schools, that we, we still have that responsibility to teach our students to be carriers of the gospel. So good on you, Cheryl. And thank you for the challenge.
0: Thank you. Well, if you want to find out more about Youth Ministry Booster and how you can be a part of one of these amazing mastermind groups you can go to youthministrybooster.com and all the information you need is there. Registration for season two is only open through August. So don't waste time. Head over there right now and get yourself registered. We'd love to put you in a group. This has been another episode of the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. Cheryl, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you next time.